Hi, this is Tom Compton. You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events. Ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's WHTT Speaks Out, we're going to talk about an interesting letter that we received here just recently from a lady. And uh, this was in response to our now award-winning video, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and Turning, that won an award at the Amar Popular Film Festival in Tehran, Iran. One of three awards, top awards, out of 700 entries into this film festival and anyway, this lady, I met her at an event where a Palestinian Christian Israeli citizen, they call them Israeli Arabs, but he calls himself a Palestinian. And this man, his name is Botrus Mansour, is a Christian. He's a lawyer. He's the director of the Nazareth Baptist School right in Nazareth. And it was a very interesting talk. And he talked on a variety of things, but the fact is, as an Arab citizen in Israel, they are second-class citizens, and they don't enjoy all the rights that we are led to believe by all the myths that we hear from our media and so forth. So you would assume that most of the people there would have been fairly sympathetic to what they were hearing. Well, that was several months ago, actually, and then out of the blue here, just a couple of days ago, I get this letter. I'm going to have Leslie read it, and I thought, well, this is interesting because there's so much disinformation, and this letter kind of shows this, and we want to talk about this, and we know this. We don't know where this lady is as far as, you know, would we call her a Christian Zionist? I don't know. We can talk about that as we get along in the discussion here. But we always have found it very difficult to talk with the Christian Zionists. In our vigils and so forth, we're always challenged by them. Our Christianity is is questioned and, and all this. It's like what we've seen is they want to talk about Jesus, but they don't want to talk about Jesus and the real world and what's going on and how we should interact with people. Anyway, Leslie, why don't you read this letter from this lady? We won't mention her name on the air here. Go ahead. Tom, I met you when the lawyer from Bethlehem spoke at First Christian. I watched the DVD. The last part brought good awareness. I think Christians need to know what is happening, yes. But I was very disappointed in the DVD. It seems the speaker's vituperative extreme, falling into the same issues of which he accuses, quote-unquote, Christian Zionists. Having gone to Fuller Seminary in recent years, and from my church experience, my perspective is that not many people are any longer putting much stock in the Schofield Bible. Perhaps there are still influences from it, but surely not to the degree claimed on the DVD. I surely do not believe Christians can be blamed for all violence in the Middle East or that it's completely our fault the U.S. has gotten involved in wars. 
I will say that my own view on involvement in war has changed. Perhaps I was more supportive at some point. I believe God has allowed America to be judged through the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Look at the lives we lost, the damage to troops who return, not to mention the unnecessary expenditure of billions. Palestinians have been used as pawns by the Arab countries. Billions have been poured in for their aid, much of which arguably has been stolen and redirected to who knows where, banks in Switzerland, there are Christians helping Palestinians. Israel has been remarkably neighborly. It's never so one-sided as the DVD tries to claim. I know there are problems for sure. Things are most complicated in the Middle East. I just read Voice of the Martyrs on the discrimination Christians suffer in Israel. But we need to try for balance in perspective and ministry. I did very much enjoy the man who spoke. I appreciated the brochure with the perspective of the Arab Christian pastor. I'm keeping that. But I confess I'm tossing the DVD. I think it's too polarized, preachy, and extreme to be helpful. Respectfully. All right, thank you. And the piece that she's referring to, the brochure, was actually a piece written by our friend Alex Awad, who is a Palestinian pastor, has a small Baptist church in East Jerusalem, and who is affiliated with the Bethlehem Bible College. And it talks about Christian Zionism and the effects on the Christians there. So this is kind of an interesting letter Maybe, well, we'll start off here, um, I'll just throw this out. Maybe this woman is, is an example of somebody that's sort of in the turning. We see the dedicated Christian Zionists that there's no way they would even grant anything that she's saying here, but yet she's still got feet in the Christian Zionist camp, if you will, with with some of these comments here about Israel and the Arab state supporting Palestine and, and all this. Go ahead, Chuck. Let me bring out three or four things she said that have the unmistakable stamp of Christian Zionism on them. We can talk, maybe talk about those and then others that others want to bring out. She said, God allowed America to be judged in war in Iraq and Afghanistan. And then she talked about all the damage that was done to Americans by the war, including the amount of cost, the money. And, uh, of course, the results to the troops and so on and the deaths. She didn't mention any of the damage done to the Iraqis or the Afghans, which, of course, is a hundred times the damage that was done to our troops. But this idea that this is God's war, in other words, God manipulated all this, and she really doesn't have anything to do with this. She has no responsibility at all for the wars because these are God manipulating America, allowing us to be judged for some of the sins of America that uh, she didn't go on to name. Another statement she made, I'll, I'll read them all, read all the ones I noted, and then we can talk about them one at a time. She said Palestinians are the pawns of the Middle Eastern Arabs. So what she's really saying is that it isn't the Israelis who are really the, the cause of the misery of the Palestinians. 
It's that they are being manipulated by the Saudis and the neighboring states, whoever she had in mind, maybe Iran. But then she says that Israel is very neighborly toward the Palestinians. She makes the point that Israel is a good neighbor to the Palestinians. And I don't know what, what, what happened at the meeting she was at, but we make the point in our film that Israel is anything but a good neighbor. The scene that she said was the one thing she liked in the film was the bombing scene that we showed where the Israelis were bombing the Palestinians in Gaza. I don't quite know. It's the blindness, I guess, that allows people who are, are so brainwashed to actually say in one sentence that they were persuaded by the, the drama of the terrible scene that they saw, the ambulance scenes and so on, and then, and then just turn right around and say Israel is a good neighbor. And then finally she talks about where she gets her information. The Voice of Martyrs talks about Christian suffering. Now if you look at Voice of Martyrs, it is a, a radically Zionist organization, always has been, and it would never say anything ill about Israel. So in the idea of the Voice of Martyrs talking about Christian suffering, if you look into that, you'll find that uh, what, what they say is that you have Christian Arabs being persecuted by Muslim Arabs in Palestine. And so you get these ideas come across, which are very, very dispensational ideas. She also denies that the Schofield Bible is significant in persuading uh, people uh, in, the, in the way they think. Uh, those are some of the things I detected. I'll stop and let others say. Well, the Schofield Bible may not seem very irrelevant, but the fact is all the recent translations of the Bibles in the past several decades have basically been offshoots from the Schofield Bible. We've, this is now second or third generation Schofield Bible notes and teachings, but it, it really does stem from the Schofield Bible. Good point. Right. Very good investment. How about this idea that God steers the course of nations? Here we have this idea that, yes, America is apparently wicked, so God has allowed America to be judged in the wars that we've been in. This presents this cop-out idea that we have no real responsibility. If we can just blame it on God and say, then, then the idea is that we must not interfere because God is busy judging America in his own way. And we don't want to get our hands in the way because then we're interfering with the will of God. And why not carry that on to everything that we see in Israel and Palestine? Why can't God just be judging the Palestinians for their evil history? The idea of responsibility is an idea that's taken away by the dispensational movement. It inserts in place of that the idea that God is running the ship and therefore, what we don't want to do is interfere with God. We certainly wouldn't want to stop a war that God thinks is a just war. And this is very much the idea that is at the center of the dispensational church and at the center of the leaders of the dispensational church. What about John Hagee praying for war? He actually wants God to intercede. So this is so opposed to the notion 
of love your brother and to be responsible for your own acts, not only your own acts, but also to be responsible for your neighbor. Isn't this what Jesus preached from the very beginning? Where is Jesus in this lady's view? She doesn't mention anything about what Jesus would say about the issue she talks about. What would Jesus say about Israel's treatment of the Palestinians? What would Jesus do if he was there? Well, it's very curious, Chuck. I, I just find this whole thing. I actually replied to her letter, and I asked that question about John Hickey and his call for bombing. I actually pointed her to our uh, little four-minute clip of a vigil and then the prayer that John Hagee said on the Benny Hinn program. This was in 2003, before the start of the Gulf War, where he actually prayed in Jesus' name to go to war to save Israel. That, that was the caveat at the end of, of the prayer. And she didn't address that. I did get another response from her, which is that I mentioned that we won the award in Iran. And, of course, this, anyone that's been conditioned by our media or being dispensational, Tom, thank you for this email. Interesting that the DVD won an award in Iran. I'm just thinking of the extremes and the tubertive tone from that country. However, wrong John Hagee might be the type of DVD you produced and the tone of the man on the DVD, whose name I don't remember, do not, in my opinion, help your cause. It's so anti and extreme on the other end of the polarization that it is unhelpful. The small article I read from your table was much more helpful. And that was what I referred you to was my piece that I wrote for the Palestinian Chronicle four years ago entitled, Would Jesus Concur or Weep? About the death of innocent children in Gaza. And that was just after the brutal attack on Gaza where over 1,300 civilians and over 300 innocent Palestinian children were killed. Was that Project Lead? That was Operation Cast Lead, right. And as we said in one of our podcasts, that's Zionese for burning people alive, cast lead. And so it's very curious. I mean, I see these mixed messages from her. Uh, she obviously believes the all the rhetoric about Iran. I was also reminded, if anybody listens to this, please go listen to our podcast entitled $64,000 Question. Who would John Hagee bomb? And the answer, his answer is Iran. And this was a dialogue with a Christian Zionist in my own church. It's very, very interesting. It's, it's, it helps. And as Chuck has pointed out, it's very hard to talk with these people about these issues. I mean, they'll talk about Jesus, as we mentioned earlier, but we can't talk about, you know, how would Jesus react to them? And this question that we've come up with, who would Jesus bomb really captures the the whole debate there in just a few simple words that either you have to ignore it in the case of this fellow in this podcast I was talking about. He came up with the idea when I asked him who would Jesus bomb. He said, well, the, the Iranians were not lovable and they wanted war, which is amazing. I mean, amazing. I... I couldn't, I just, I was flabbergasted. Anyway, 
This Tom, is, we, we have no business being flabbergasted because we've seen <laughs> we've seen Christian Zionists just like this by the hundreds and thousands, and and we've talked to a lot of them. And I think maybe uh, the way we should wrap this up is by trying to help our listeners a little bit in what they should do, what how they should treat Irene is in her in their church because. She's exactly the kind of people you're going to find in every church where the Schofield Bible has had any influence. Any church that really would allow itself to be called dispensational. Most of the churches were, who are taught by guys that come out of Fuller Seminary, not all of them, because there are some conservative churches that send their students to Fuller Seminary. So you get a hodgepodge out of there. And we had one man who we used to correspond with. I think his name was Hyatt, who was a former teacher there, and he was an anti-Zionist, but he did believe in some of these dispensational ideas. So I think that the thing we need to leave with people is, what do you say to your neighbor when they say these kind of things to you? What, how do you, how do you deal with that? This is the question everybody asks us. So let's say, uh, Leslie, you met Irene, and now you know exactly this is what she said to you. What would be your response to her in in, in uh, 25 words or less? Or take 100 words if you need it. Well, there's this sentence that God has allowed America to be judged through the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. I'm wondering is what she's saying is, are we being judged as a country because we're not helping Israel enough? And to me, the answer is no. But we need to reconsider our viewpoints, for sure. Uh, Chuck, something that you mentioned, it's, it seems like we need to address it, is the logical disconnect. In evangelicals, they pride themselves on the in, in hermeneutics, the proper interpretation of Scripture, but yet when the New Testament defines like the, uh, the Genesis 12 passage, they go back to the Genesis 12 passages and put, you, put a dispensational minus interpretation on it when the, when the New Testament nullifies that. But they disregard that and just grab on to the Genesis 12 like this is this is Abraham's blessing and, you know, I will curse those who curse thee and I will bless those who bless thee and grab on that even though the New Testament says the fulfillment was in Jesus. Exactly. Galatians. Uh, yeah, book of Galatians. Also, it's just a matter of asking questions, provocative questions, because you really can't get into debate with these people. They don't want to talk about the issue. They, their mind is made up. It's a religious dogma, as we've talked about. And so there is this disconnect. And so it is very hard to talk with them. But I think it's just a matter of planting seeds. And the fellow that I had a run-in with on this podcast, he no longer is in our church. They went somewhere else. I don't know if he left because of me or what. <laughs> If they reconsider by asking these questions, we're asking our friends here. That's opening a a Pandora's box or opening a door where they have to rethink their whole point of view, which is a tremendous amount of work to do in order just to change one person in this situation in the Middle East. People like these, she has a long ways to go. She has ingrained into her years of Christian Zionist training. And the film is going to hit her like a ton of bricks. And she's going to respond that the film is too brash, too extreme, 
too polarizing. And, of course, we, we made it that way because we wanted to limit it to 30 minutes so she would finish it. She did finish the film. She saw the bombing scene at the end of the film. And then she threw it away because she doesn't want to face the video. And I think basically something Tom said about the film that we're finding is that people who tend to start it may not like it, but they tend to finish it. And that is a good testimony for the video. And we really did expect to get this kind of responses from people who had heavyweight training in Christian Zionism. We're just grateful if they finish the film. The film is really made for people who don't have this ingrained prejudice already. And that would be the pastor of, say, a Lutheran church who didn't go to Fuller Seminary and doesn't have a Schofield Bible and hasn't been taught that Israel is the fulfillment of biblical prophecy. And that, that's really who the film is, is, is designed to influence because he does not have as many roadblocks in the path as Marini does. She has years of training to overcome, to accept something like this film, and some of us have actually been through that ourselves. Oh, yeah. It doesn't happen overnight. That's true. It is. That's why we've been doing this for 15 years now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and just planting little seeds everywhere along the way. You never know how people eventually, maybe down the road, will see the light and remember us as one of the cogs in their illuminescence of what is really going on. And there's a denial of Americans that we are an empire, that we're a war-based economy, as the film points out. That's a heavy-duty thing to overcome right there. The fact that it's patriotic, uh, it's been drummed in, that you support the troops, Therefore, you mean that means that you support all these wars. And so we've got so many things to overcome, even the people that aren't dispensational. And we've, we've talked about these churches like the Presbyterian, United Methodists, who have made advances to exposing the dangers of Christian Zionism, the National Council of Churches with their groundbreaking bulletin of about seven years ago, seven, eight years ago. So there is gradual awakening, as the title would imply, but it's not a tidal flood wave <laughs> yet. Anyway, we thank you for listening in, and uh, we welcome any comments from our listeners. And as we always ask you to do, if you like it, pass it on to somebody else. Let them know about this and uh, educate a friend. I think that's what it takes is that we're in a in a movement that we uh, don't know all our friends, and they're out there. There's a remnant out there, and so it's just planting seeds. We don't know where all these things end. We get called names and all kinds of things. But um, let me let me let me interject to add that the most important thing said tonight was said by Tom when he talked about Jesus' words about blessed are the peacemakers, love your neighbor. And uh, this is really the ultimate answer in talking to the dispensationalists. You just have to simply tell them, I'm sorry, you're uninformed. You may not like to hear that, but the, the, the movie's true. The Israelis are not good neighbors to the Palestinians. They're killers. They're mass killers. 
And Jesus would not put up with that. Where would Jesus, as Tom pointed out, where would Jesus uh, show me in the New Testament where Jesus would ever tolerate the killing of a neighbor? And I think this is very important to ask that question of people like Rennie. I agree with you, Jack. And something that we don't seem to talk about at all is just the whole idea of uh, Judaism that they can go to sleep at night with a clear conscience that they feel like they're doing what God wants them to do in persecuting and taking over the land that God gave them. And that seems to be a driving force behind all of this that we never never seem to talk about. That's true. That's certainly one aspect. But, you know, she's, in her letter there, she's taking some of the blame off the Christians. Like, they have no influence. But they are being controlled. They are supporting these wars, we've seen that, and, you know, the rise of the Christian right from Jerry Falwell back in the 80s, Pat Robertson, and and all these kind of people that have really built up, we estimate, 40 to 70 million American Christians that are influenced by the Christian Zionist rhetoric, if you will, and it's a hard mountain to climb over. We don't know any other way than to just do it one step at a time. That's it. One step at a time. One day at a time. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks so much for listening in. We hope you enjoyed our program. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tell a friend about our podcast. And please visit our website, whtt.org. You will find a wealth of information and resources like the latest Pharisee Watch and unheralded news articles. Also, you can order our new video, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Even though this video is copyrighted, we don't mind if you copy it as long as you copy all of it. Then you can educate your friends and acquaintances about the dangers of Christian Zionism. Start small, think big, and press on toward the straight gate.